When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Great to have you with us on a beautiful Tuesday afternoon here at the... Perfect. It is, well, it's perfect. Yeah, it's magnificent. Any 20, hotter, it's too hot. Uh, Any colder, bit chilly. It's about 23 out there in Melbourne perfect. town. Hopefully it's as nice where you, wherever you might be tuning in mm. from. Another three or four degrees. Get to 26, no. 27, cherry ripe. That no. is about as good as it gets. Anywhere between 22.5 and 26. Otherwise, Oh, I too said 26, 27. So we're really nitpicking now. If, we, if you really no, want to have a No, you're saying the 22 is too low. Oh, I'm saying I'll just a little bit more. Just give me another three or four. Well, see, I'm rest. happy, very happy. <laughs> Listen, we've got a very important person on the line. He doesn't need to be listening to us talk about what? our preferred temperatures uh, at this time of the year. Very important. <laughs> I'm not sure where it's going to go. Uh, I'm not sure what's going to be um, discovered. Uh, I'm not sure what the conclusion is going to be. But there is a Senate inquiry in Canberra at the moment into... Uh, concussion and mm. sport. Uh, to my knowledge, it's the first time at this level that this has ever been, a Senate inquiry has been launched into this. Mm. We've been talking about it a lot on this radio mm. station since our inception back in 2004. It's at a time when our understanding about head trauma and sport has been emerging. Yes. In the last 18 years since SEN was, was launched, mm-hmm. what we know now compared to what we knew then we are a million miles down the track, we but are. I feel like we're a long, long way to go. A whole lot of people are being asked to um, give um, their expertise to this inquiry. Dr. Uh, Ryder Leestat is one of those from Sports Medicine Australia. He's on their scientific advisory committee. He gave um, testimony, I suppose. Mm-hmm. He was asked to give his expertise yesterday uh, at the committee. He's been good enough to join us to have a chat about it today. Hey, Doctor, thanks for joining us on the show. We appreciate your time. Good day, Andy. Thanks very much for having me on. Um, to your understanding, what, what what is the inquiry's purpose? Do you know what they're seeking? Actually, I'm not too sure about that. Um, I, I think you covered it before. There's, uh, there's been an um, increasing uh, concern in the community um, at all levels about concussion in sport, and I think that. I think the Senate uh, or the senators have been uh, listening to that and and. Um, and uh, looking towards the UK, which launched a parliamentary inquiry a couple of years ago that concluded last year. And uh, they're seeking to do something similar here in Australia at the moment. And, and Doc, uh, Andrew Gaze here. Uh, what is their jurisdiction? What can they actually do? So obviously everyone presents their information, they assess it, and do they provide some recommendations? Can they actually legisl- legislate uh, in sport as well? Or where, what is potentially or hypothetically an outcome? I, th- I think in the first instance, uh, we're talking about a set of recommendations and that may, may lead to, um, I think legislation is probably too far down the track, uh, but uh, recommendations may lead to, to some changes in the sector, uh, whether it's uh, looking at uh, what the departments are doing themselves um, or, um, or or how perhaps the uh, Australian Sporting Commission might be involved uh, moving forward. Hey, Doc, the, the thing about this is I, I see it 
with the information that we have available, the elite level competitions do a pretty good job of implementing some policies to try and mitigate the outcomes, the horrendous outcomes. Uh, where I, I have great fear is at the lower levels where you don't have that yeah. sports science. You don't have those physios, those doctors, and that's those same stringent regulations in order to do it. Is, would you be... Would you have the same concerns, and is there anything we can do about that? Yeah, my my concerns would be actually quite similar uh, to to what you just mentioned. Uh, I think, despite some commendable efforts at the professional levels in in some um, uh, professional sporting codes, I think there's a general failure of self regulation um, uh, down down the levels, uh, but but also across some sporting codes that had you know either just failed to. Uh, to implement concussion policies altogether, or have uh, have not um, uh, implemented them um, according to standard, I guess. So, so doc, that's a fascinating part of this. I reckon mm. you mentioned self-regulation, and you know we see all around the world. You know the NFL of in the National Football League in America, they've sort of begrudgingly sort of had to come to terms with this, and and it's now become a real factor this season in their sport. Yeah, you know, the AFL does what it does. Cricket's got its own protocols. Mm. Uh, rugby league as Basketball. well. Basketball. Mm-hmm. Is there a potential that at the end of this Senate inquiry, if the evidence that is put by experts in the field is is you know that is is alarming enough, is it possible that there may be some sort of government intervention um, that that takes the regulation out of the the individual sporting body's hands? I think that's one of the possibilities that the Senate inquiry will have to consider. Um, like you said, there is a huge variation in concussion policies and protocols uh, across the sector, uh, despite international consensus statements on the topic. And uh, perhaps one solution, uh, it's not the only solution, but one possible solution is, is for the government to take a more active governance role in this space. Yeah. What what's your advice for parents out there? It, mm. You understand and have great knowledge about CTE, and you've seen the consequences of of head injuries. Uh, I don't know if you're a dad, if but if you are, or if you're giving advice to parents at a young age, uh, are there certain sports that you'd be advising them to steer clear of? Yeah, I am a dad actually, um, but my son is uh, still in daycare, so it's a little right. bit too old yes. <laughs> playing sports. Uh, but I guess uh, the, the question is pertinent, uh, nevertheless. Um, uh, yeah, I mean the risk profile across sporting codes varies. Um, there's there's no doubt about that. So so some sports are a lot riskier when it comes to not just the incidence of concussion, but the cumulative um, head trauma impact that occur in the sport, uh, you know, whether it's due to tackling in rugby, body checking in ice hockey or whatever it may be. So I, I think parents uh, need to consider the, the, the risk profile of the sport um, and they probably need to be given better information and better tools to make, make their own decisions for their children. Well, I'm sure that you're following, um, you know, the information that's being put to the Senate inquiry. And I'm just reading a story in The Guardian now from today's evidence that's been given and, it's suggesting that um, multiple concussions may be linked to worse brain function in later life, suge- suggests a study of nearly 16,000 people. And I haven't read deep into the article, but the headline suggests that the number of concussions we're talking about here, Doctor, can be as low as three. It, it, you've done more research in this area. I've had, mm. I had more than three concussions in one year of my feeble footy career. And 
there'll be a lot of people out there who have played contact sports who think three concussions could lead to issues later in life. That's alarming to someone who's had those sorts of experiences. Should should we be alarmed when we read this sort of stuff? Uh, I don't want to catastrophize uh, the issue and, and be alarmed. Uh, but, I mean, when people say they've had three concussions, um, you have to consider that all the other head impacts that they had alongside of those three diagnosed concussions or recognized concussions, there's, there's always more head trauma impacts uh, in addition to those. Um, and uh, throughout a, a, a sporting career, uh, people can accumulate, you know, tens of thousands of head impacts. Um, and it's, it's probably these people we see uh, ending up with neurodegenerative diseases uh, uh, down the track. Having said that, not everyone with concussion or sub-concussive impact will um, end up with neurodegenerative diseases. The prevalence at this stage is just not known. There's various estimates out there in NFL professional players in American football uh, prevalence estimates range between 10% and 100%, uh, which is not very useful. Uh, large cohort studies uh, in soccer and professional uh, rugby in the UK um, find prevalences around 3%, um, but they haven't followed them up for more than about 20, 30 years. Okay. So mm. Prevalence could be a little bit higher than that. But uh, yeah, so definitely not everyone will get it. Uh, but it's uh, it's something to to uh, be concerned about, and I think it's worth trying to mitigate the risk as much as possible on a on a erring on the side of caution. Well, well, that is the key in trying to mitigate those risks. Uh, is there? And I know with a lot of the leagues that the simple uh, solution is well, time off. If you get a concussion, they put this uh, mandatory time frame for which you can't go back uh, and compete. Is there? Other means or is there anything else you can suggest to help mitigate the, the possibility of long-term issues from head injuries? Mm, prevention, um, prevention occurs at different stages. I mean, you have primary prevention in terms of trying to prevent the concussions from happening in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, uh, most of what we've seen in the research in terms of what's effective in that space, it's usually around policy and rule changes mm. um, that tend to have the, the greatest effects on, on, on uh, primary prevention of concussions. Mm. In terms of secondary prevention, so mitigating the impact when, uh, when, a, when a, a concussion has already occurred, um, better management um, and uh, these stand-down periods that, that you just mentioned is perhaps one of the things that needs to be looked at. I mean, at present, these stand-down periods um, you know, in the last few years, they have varied between one day and 30 days across sporting codes, the different levels of play. Um, and uh, again, that variability speaks to, I think, the failure of self-regulation and uh, some of the weaknesses in the in the current uh, concussion protocols and policies. So we're going to Dr. Ryder Leistat, who gave um, a submission to the Senate inquiry into concussion and sport, which is ongoing up in Canberra at the moment. Doc, where do you sit on helmets? Uh, the vast majority of research in helmets uh, um, say that they do not prevent concussions, and I'm not surprised because they were never designed to prevent concussions in the first place. Uh, they were designed to uh, prevent uh, serious head trauma like skull fractures, yep. and they do a pretty good job of that. Um, so, yeah, helmets are not the solution to the concussion crisis. 
And there seems to be, uh, certainly from um, Sports Medicine Australia's perspective, and um, it, it runs slightly contrary to other views, and, and perhaps after hearing you know your submission yesterday, perhaps even contrary to your own personal views about the the ongoing conversations about the links between concussion and CTE, is it an absolute given in your mind that that there is an undeniable relationship mm. between the two? I think in my in my personal view, if you apply the appropriate uh, frameworks for evaluating causation, uh, I think at present uh, the uh, evidence is imperfect, but it is undeniable. Yes. Mm. Hey, Doc. Thanks for coming on. Yes. It's uh, it's 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 not pleasant stuff. We you know, we have a lot of fun on a radio station like this. We don't dive into this stuff that often, but. When you've got, you know, key individuals, you know, at high levels of the Australian government who are sitting down listening to people like you and others, experts in the field, looking at this at the level they are for, for the first time in in the national capital's history, I think it's worth spending a bit of time to have a chat about it. We appreciate you coming on the show today. Thanks for your time. Thank you very much for having me on. Thank you. Dr. Ryder Leistad from wow. Sports Medicine Australia. If you had a view on any of that, feel free to share at one three hundred seven three six seven three six. I've got a question on there is a consistent go. there's a, a fairly consistent view. And if uh, I can read out yeah, no, go. some yep. of these the, some of the feedback coming through. Uh, and for example, uh, five one zero. So a radio show ninety percent AFL talking about injuries head injuries. Not a wise discussion. I couldn't what, what, disagree more. Well, why not? Steer clear. Uh, this is from Graham in Brisbane. Steer clear of, of sport. Uh, you blokes are fair dinkum, whatever. Mean that in the nicest possible way. Why do you think there are no genuine fast bowlers in cricket anymore? Why do they keep breaking down? Maybe because these sports science clowns only let them bowl 20 balls. So, he's, so according he's to that struggling. bloke, but according to yep. that bloke, Bowl them into the ground. Bowl them into the ground without any – don't take notice of any um, science mm. that we now have access to. And who cares whether at the age of 40 yep. these blokes can walk properly? Mm. Uh, who cares whether their backs are any good? Mm. Who cares whether they need knee, knee hip, shoulder? Uh, who, need, who cares whether they need back mm. uh, back surgeries? Mm. Just, just bowl them into the ground. Yep with no regard to what price they're going to pay once their careers are over. Mm. Is that what we should be doing, is it? Well, according to Graham... Is that what we should be doing? Graham, uh, yes. Now, I think the thing is, is that there is that sentiment, and I don't, I don't agree with it by any stretch of the imagination, but there is that thing of just get on with it. You're getting paid a fortune, bad luck. You, you okay. sign your waiver, and if you okay. have those consequences... Now, to me, that is very short-sighted, and... Well, there's a bloke called Tua Tungavaloa who is the quarterback for the Miami Dolphins in the NFL. Mm. He's had two uh, concussions Mm. this year. He, you're getting paid a fortune, get back out, have a Mm. go. That that sentiment. Mm. What would he be getting paid? Forty-five million a year. He's thinking quite that much, but he'd be getting paid a lot of money. Mm. Getting paid a lot of money. So it's worth. It's in his interest, according to those people. You're getting paid a lot. Just keep going. Mm. Who cares whether you're going any good or not? Who cares whether you're dealing with migraines? You can't sleep. Mm. Bright lights. All the rest of it. Keep going because there's mm. plenty of money for you, mate. Uh, he's thinking about giving it away. It is. It's he's and, thinking about giving it away at 26 years well, of age. In, on a more local level, Andy, well, uh, Shay Illy, who's uh, the point guard for Melbourne United. Now, he's had a number of them. He's missed a big chunk of the season. He had one last week. And I've heard reports that it's now the next six months, 
is going to determine whether he can actually continue to well, play again. That's, yes. On top of that. Yes. Mark, uh, Marcus that, Adams and Paul Seedsman aren't playing this yes. year because of it. Uh, 26 years or 27 years of age. Jerry McKay was a, was a fringe NBL player, played collegiate basketball. He's come to me. Can I come and be your assistant coach and learn another part of the game? I can't. I have been told categorically I am not to play any more, even that semi-professional basketball level because of the head injuries that I have sustained and the potential long-term damage. I, so this is an incredibly difficult issue and one that has enormous consequences for the individuals. We all love our sport. We all want to sit there and watch it, and we all admire the bravery. But when that bravery leads to someone having a life-changing experience, then it ain't worth it. Here, here. None of the money that, that you get is worth it. And what? So, and to, to just, I'm not having, a, I'm not trying to pick a fight with those the couple of texters that you mm. um, read out. But do they just want to turn a blind eye to all of that? Don't talk about it. Don't don't talk about any of that. Well, I people guess... aren't going to play the game if you talk about that. How mm. can you not talk about it? Uh, uh, that's exactly right. How can you not talk about it? And there how are can sports you not people. Care? There are sports people putting guns to their mm. head mm. and blowing their brains out mm. because no one talked about it. Well, that's right. And that that is and it's a very raw way to to describe well, it. That's that's at but the that end of the line, reality. mate. Yeah, that, that is the reality of what's happening. So careers are lost, lives are lost, uh, and, and even if it doesn't end up in that, there are other damages that you don't hear about. The relationship breakdowns. Spot on. It's it's all those things that come into this category, and it's a reason why the the leagues are doing their best. I think the AFL, the NRL. They're, they are listening to the information and doing what they can to try and mitigate those awful outcomes. So we have to get to a break, but just before, we'll, we'll, and we'll take calls on this and other things on this. So Dave and Glenn, I know you're there. We want to get to you on the other side of the break, mm. so, so stay with us. But we don't know where this Senate inquiry is going, right? Mm. We don't know what's at the end of the line. But if it does come to pass that mm. they think this is such a grave situation that is affecting so many people in Australia mm. and to the best in- endeavours of the individual leagues, mm-hmm. they haven't done enough mm. and there needs to be some sort of government intervention. Mm. What does that, what yeah. sort of impact does that have? Well, I mean, the UK said, the, the report that our doc spoke about mm. said that you weren't, kids weren't allowed to head soccer balls mm. until uh, the age of 14 and above mm. because at a young age, repetitive Correct. on the young developing brain, were highly detrimental. Mm. So they stepped in and made that part of law mm-hmm. over in the UK. What, are we, well, it gets to a land, I don't know where we go with well, this. Well, it gets to a situation where there's always going to be a level of risk. No matter what you do when you're playing contact mm. sports, there's always going to be a level of risk. But you, to, we've got to find the best scenario to minimise that as much as we possibly can. Yep. And comments, you know, comments coming on here, uh, ban all contact sport now. Well, that's, now, that's well, just not going to happen, that's mate. Not what we're and that's about. not what we're arguing. No. It's not what we're discussing. Mm. It's not what we want. Mm. No one does. Exactly. So uh, it's to say that, well, just because you're getting paid a lot of money is an explanation for let them run their own course. <laughs> they know the risk, sign the waiver and carry on. That, to me, is not the answer. 22 minutes past four.